Welcome to the Seek Outside Podcast. Hey, you, should, you think that's bad? See Ryan on the phone in the office. <laughs> Yeah, so today is going to be a fun podcast. We're going to be talking about zipperless shelters, um, something that we've kind of been pushing a lot. I think all of us here at Seek Outside really love those things. Um, and, you know, I think there are a decent amount of questions. It's it's kind of like a new concept in the, the tent world, um, as I believe that we're, well, the zipperless is not but like the way that we do zipperless is kind of very unique to us so um i think today we're we're going to be hitting on those subjects here and going to be talking about all of our zipperless shelters and when you want to use each one um all that good stuff so we got kevin here who is the creator of our zipperless uh shelter system and yeah we're just gonna we're gonna dive into it i don't don't know if you want to what was the how did you come up with our zipperless method? Because there's, you know, there's people use toggles and stuff like that. Obviously, like, like the the Native clips American teepees. So uh, there, there's clips and some other yeah. things, but they aren't really fully enclosed. Where ours exactly. is really fully sewn across and and pretty much weathertight and has no flapping noise associated with it. So there's several things there. Um, as far as how I actually came up with it, it was, I was doing ayahuasca in South America. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the Aaron Rodgers uh, excuse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go with, uh, yeah, it was an acid trip or it was, uh, no, I'm not going to claim any inspiration there. <laughs> actually, it was the beak of the little bug out shelter. And when you would pitch the little bug out in his base or base vestibule you would see this kind of beak that would come off and i always thought you know i bet you could do that in some sort of tension device or something tensioning like say a prusik um on it and the idea had kind of how should i say wandered around in the back of my mind for a few years right just kind of this lost little thing that would occasionally surface and sometimes that's kind of how it is with me the idea is just sort of float around, bounce around, and then they start to consolidate. And I would say I use the term concrete because they settle like concrete, like you're mixing concrete and stuff after a while. And so, I don't know, probably several years, I started to be like, I think we can do this. And I brought it up to someone we had working as design on design with us. And they didn't think it was feasible, so I sort of tabled it. And then one year I was kind of putting together our next plan and I said, we've got to just invest in trying this. So I drew a sketch up out and all the dimensions and stuff. And I asked our lead seamstress to basically sew one up and see. And we did. It was uh, the first one showed promise. Um, it had a Prusik style tensioning on it. Um, which actually was really awful uh, because the thin rope and the prusik would burn your hands incredibly bad moving it up and down. So I was like, this isn't going to work. I took uh, one of them out during archery season, took it out with a bunch of tension devices, 
I thought it worked fairly good, and then I put on some tension devices. I went hunting for the day. I got four or five miles away from camp, started raining, got back. None of the tension devices worked. I ended up having to crawl under the edges of the shelter while I was already wet, and it had been raining quite a bit, so I wasn't happy. Um, but there was enough promise there that I thought it was something to work with and that we just needed to, you know, refine. And then after that, we went through a few iterations and refined it. The initial goal was really to be better than, say, any tarp that you that you could uh, utilize. That was the initial goal. Now they've turned into full-fledged shelters. Um, there's some benefits, some drawbacks. Um, a lot of people love them. Some people um, prefer a zipper. Um, but um in my case i like it it's simple i'm someone who likes very simple direct straightforward things right i don't like a lot of fluff i don't need a lot of pumps tricks and bells and stuff like that so for me i really like it it seems like uh, a lot of customers um think it's pretty cool some people the people that have said that they would rather have a zipper i think it's because they would rather open up one side and leave the other side partially closed. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, in lightweight shelters, zippers are probably the number one failure point, period. Especially if you get them in a little bit of dirt. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, just in customer service, the reality of it is, like, no matter what piece of gear it is with a zipper, like a lot of our shelters, if you're using them a lot, especially out here in the desert where it's, you know, there's dust, it's, you know, dry, um, you know, you're probably going to have to replace your zipper every, you know, two, three years or whatever, um, you know, maybe more, maybe less, depending on how you take care of it. But it, it's always going to fail. And you think about sleeping bags, you think about jackets, right? Like, you're like, especially with a sleeping bag, man, if they could make a zipperless sleeping bag, <laughs> that would be awesome because that's the that's the biggest pain in the ass when you're zipping up your zipper on your sleeping bag and it gets stuck there and you got to like, you know, finagle your arm out to, to be able to, you know, undo the zipper thing. So the zipperless concept is, is pretty sweet and, you know, it just eliminates uh, another failure, another thing that can fail out there. I mean, you know, it happens just from the customer service perspective, you know, if you're not taking care of your zipper uh, or you have a sandstorm or something like that, you're out on a five-day trip and, you know, day three something happens on your zipper where, you know, one of the teeth gets busted or, or the teeth get doled down from sand and stuff like that and you can't close your shelter. That's not an issue with these zipperless shelters. So it's, it's a pretty sweet thing, especially if you're looking for something that's going to be reliable, right? Agreed. And even if, even outside of the reliability, first off, let me go back. You just need to get better sleeping bags, Ryan. Um, <laughs> the Western Mountaineering sleeping bags, their zippers are on great. Um, but, um, and, and the zipperless isn't totally free from any sort of failure. True. You can have, you can have a puppy come up and chew off your cordage, right? The thing is, is a reasonably smart person can fix that in about five minutes. Mm. Um, it's a relatively easy fix. It doesn't need a seamstress, doesn't need to go anywhere. What it needs is 
two and a half to three millimeter cordage, uh, about seven feet or whatever, depending upon the shelter threaded in there. Um, what we actually use and what we find is best is we use two seven five, but you can use between two and a half and three, and you're generally fine. The, the, so that's there's a the, lot of benefits there. Yeah, that's the millimeter of the of the cordage there that for the yes for the zipper door. Yeah. yeah, and I actually recommend against paracord. And too many times in the outdoor industry, people well, just I guess in American life in general. I mean, anything to blow your nose on now is called a Kleenex, right? Um, and just about any sort of cola is called a Coke or Pepsi. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so too many times things get all sort of lumped into a category. But in this case, um, it's relatively easy to uh, use a 275, not the paracord version. What happens with paracord, you can use it in a pinch. Uh, but what actually happens with paracord is paracord will stretch when wet because it's a nylon base. Mm. And so you'll lose tension between ridge lines. Um, if you have to, you can literally, like if one side got totally trashed for whatever reason, um, you could actually just stake out that side mm-hmm. and use the other entrance if you had to. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I obviously know I work at Seacat's ad, but uh, what are the what are the three zipperless shelters that Seacat's ad has? We have the Eolus, which was the first one, um, which is getting a little bit of a refresh for 23. Um, we have the Guardian, which is the largest one. And then we have the Silex, which is the smallest one. Um, If I were to break these down, I think the Silex is a fantastic solo shelter, right? And it's easy for stakes. You can set it up in no time. The Eolus is suitable for two, um, just as comfy as any two-person backpacking tent. In fact, I would say that it's more comfy than a lot of the... uh, a lot of the tunnel entry ones um, because it is a side entry. And then you have the Guardian, which is oversized. You can really run two in a stove. And I would imagine it's one where literally you could, if you had the inner nest, you could literally run two and take two labs if you wanted, if you wanted your labs to sleep inside or whatever. It's it's roomy enough that um, two people should be able to sleep in there, have gear, and you could probably have a couple medium to large dogs as well. Yeah, <clears throat> no, it's it's big. So so let's go to the Silex. So the Silex is is the smallest one. Um, it to me, it's kind of like the most versatile one. In well, I don't know. They're all versatile, but to me, like I, a lot of times when people are calling in, they're talking about the DST, right? The DST tarp um, it gets a lot of popularity. It's awesome, you know, just because has the the trekking pole patch in the middle so you can you can pitch it as a shelter you can pitch it as a two-sided like an a-frame shelter a three-sided shelter a diamond any of the you know typical ways that you use a tarp but there's also a few more because it has all these guy out points and stuff like that um but i will say it's 15 16 ounces right so right around a pound 
while the Silex is right around a pound as well. Um, and so, and in my opinion, I think the Silex is a perfect glassing shelter. And there's a couple reasons why. I think uh, it is easier to set it up as like a, an actual shelter. Like if you need shelter, say a rainstorm or a thunderstorm comes through and you, you need full coverage, right? You want to be enclosed in a spot. The Silex, four stakes, it's designed to be pitched as a tent. Um, four stakes, two trekking poles, super easy. I mean, realistically, if you've set it up a few times, you can set that thing up in less than a minute probably if you're if you're really in a hurry, right? Whereas some of the times with a, with a tarp, you know, like you got to find, you know, if, if you're just doing like a one directional tarp pitch, right, where you, you're just trying to shade yourself from one direction, right? You got to you got to wrap your cordage around the trekking pole and get that stake down. And then you got to find, you know, a couple rocks if you don't have stakes. So it, it gets a little bit complicated. Whereas the Silex is just boom, you set it up. It's, you can put a stove jack in it too, if you wanted to, uh, which is going to add about three ounces. Um, so like in, in my mind, like for your money's worth for, you know, it's not like you're spending, like, I think that DST is, 140 bucks and the the silex is 200 and i don't know uh, maybe 40 or 50 with the with the stove jack for that extra hundred dollars you're getting a full shelter that you can use as well as uh, a, a glassing tarp that you can take out for the same weight as the dst yeah the the silex in comparison to the dst the silex is a much better shelter mm-hmm. where the dst wins is it's bigger if you just strung it up between trees at camp and through firewood and stuff like that or hung out underneath it in a rainstorm. It it wins on that, but always, almost always, takes some configuration, some figuring out how you're going to pitch it mm-hmm. where you are, yep. right? Unless you're just going to pitch it as a shelter. Mm-hmm. If you're going to pitch it as a shelter, the Silex is a better shelter. The silex will be smoother in the wind. It'll go up in literally a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a no brainer there. Um, so yeah, the silex is definitely the win on that, and it's super easy to use. The room the roominess is good. It's literally it's a small footprint. It's about the size of an MSR hubba hubba um, two person. So it's about seven by seven in its footprint. And yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to beat in that regard for, I want a fast shelter that goes up that is super solid. Yeah. And you know, funny thing, I, I was actually, um, so PN wild, um, they're, they're one of the folks that we've worked with in the past, but I was, I follow, um, one of their friends or counterpart or, you know, somebody that they know, I don't know if he works for them or what, but, um, his Instagram handle is Cy outside and, and, uh, Jeff was telling me that he's a, he's a great hunter. Anyway, I followed him and I saw that he had a Silex and he had pitched it in a, a different way than I'd, I'd ever seen it. Cause he was trying to use it as a, like a glassing shelter, I assume for like two people. And he had actually like pitched it like normal, but it looked like he had put both of his trekking poles up front. So he wasn't like using the you know, the actual 
designated areas for the trekking poles and it it kind of widened out the whole front area for like a, a glassing shelter i thought that was it was really interesting because and I, maybe i'll have to get in contact with him to see what what exactly he did there but it looked really cool because it was and it was a it was a dyneema one um but it it was it just showed more of the versatility of the salix you know you can you can do a lot of stuff oh. with it I, I haven't tried that, but yeah, that I could see that working. You would want to shrink shrink it down one side and one side yeah. a bit to lift it up, but that would work. Yeah. So. All right. Well, um, so the Eolus, that's kind of the, the next step up mm-hmm. here. Um, so this is going to be considered more of a three-season shelter. Uh, do you want to explain why it's more of a three-season shelter than what we call a four-season shelter? Well, I I don't want to get too into the seasons. Like I would consider, I would consider the Silex to be a three point five based on its inner, because you can put an inner in it that has complete DWR over the top mm-hmm. and about seventy percent DWR coverage on the sides, a and that would you know if it had full D. Full DWR all around. Most people would say, "Well, it's a four season at that point." Mm. Um, so I would say that it's about a about a three point five season technically. Mm. Um, and if you want to run a stove, you won't use it with the inner, but you'll run the stove on its own. And you know, you definitely can take that stuff into four season. In our world, people more often than not go floorless for the fourth season. Mm if you're talking about big snow, right? And and it depends. Like, I mean, you get down in the south, um, you don't necessarily have the snow in the winter mm-hmm. or near as much, um, but you might have the cold. Mm-hmm. So, and it depends if you take a stove or whatever. But in our world, we would consider kind of putting the stove in there. It gives you full dead, dead of winter. Um, the Eolus, the Eolus was initially... Was, our goal was to make the best tarp um, and have a zipperless closure. That was very stable. We did a lot of testing throughout winter and stuff with it. Um, the It is getting some redo on it for 23, which will open the door a little bit further to where it opens up more like the Silex. The dimensions change a little bit, and it comes down closer to the ground on the edges, which were the primary two complaints. Um, we'll see what the other changes are. Um, people might really dig them. Um, so, but that, that's about all I can say. Um, we haven't really recommended the stove in the EOLS, um, just because there was more significant air gap. That air gap was more intentional to allow it to have less condensation. Mm-hmm. Um, cause our view is also that as, as shelters get smaller, condensation becomes a bigger deal Mm -hmm. like i don't care so much if i have a little bit of condensation in an eight man i got plenty of places to avoid it Mm -hmm. i do care if i have condensation in a little tunnel tent that is a one person yeah and then so that's kind of where the eolus is let's see where everything comes out on 2023 i think people will be pretty happy with it the eolus is a good two side two person size shelter you can squeeze, some people can squeeze two in a Silex if they really want mm-hmm. to, but the Eolus is a, a good two-person size shelter. Yeah. All right. Well, um, 
And I, I think after we kind of go through the, the sizing of all these, I want to go back and hit like some scenarios where you use all these. But um, let's move on to the Guardian. Uh, this is the newest mm-hmm. member of the family. It's like the the baby brother getting babied by by the parents, you know, doesn't get any – he gets to cuss all the time. He gets to, you know, go out past curfew. No rules for this guy. But uh, <laughs> this is this is kind of like the biggest – uh, zipperless shelter that we have. It's a two-person hot tent. It's been super popular recently, just amongst like people that are you know buying the tent from us. Um, it's actually been a little crazy, um, but it's an awesome shelter. Uh, do you want to you want to kind of break down the the Guardian for us and and why that tent came about? Well, the Guardian was basically an attempt to integrate some of the positive things that were in the silex into a two-person hot tent size shelter um, where we didn't necessarily consider the OLS quite big enough to be a function as a two-person hot tent. So the Guardian covers that. And what it, the ridgeline got a little longer. Um, it got a little wider. Um, it's, it's actually, it's kind of a big boy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a surprisingly large shelter, um, especially for a truck and pull shelter. I think it's eight foot, three inches side to side or something, you know. Um, and the sleeping area is, the center of the sleeping area is right around six feet, maybe even a little more. I'd have to pull up those dimensions to be exact. Um, but it's a very comfortable shelter. Like if I was, and I'm not trying to, screw with your scenarios, right? But like, say if it was me and Angie, my wife, and our dogs, um, the Silex would be for me. The Eolus would be for me and Angie, no dogs, or me and my dog. The Silex might be me and my dog as well, depending on how much space I want. But the Guardian could be both of us with our dogs, yeah, you know, yeah. It, it's sizable enough for that. So th- that would be summertime backpacking without a without a stove. And of course, if if I wanted to go into winter with my wife, she would just make me carry a bigger tent. <laughs> um, so um, between the Eolus and the Guardian, right? There's there's a lot more a lot more guy up points. Would you kind of explain? Uh, if there is a difference in like weather resistance between the two shelters there? Um, you know, stakeouts and guy outs help in weather and small size helps in weather. So there's a little bit of a balance as you get bigger, you get more benefit to having more opportunity to stake mm-hmm. out or guy out just because panels, wind profile, all that stuff. It's the same as, you know, cars, you know, a, uh, a big pickup truck is nowhere near as efficient as a sedan going down the road. It just doesn't have the same wind profile mm-hmm. and stuff. So there's a little bit of a balance there. I, I would trust any of these in some pretty crappy weather as long as you did your part. I mean, when we did the caribou hunt last year, we had one guardian proto and two Eoluses and a Silex, I believe. Mm -hmm. 
and we had there's Alaska. We had shitty yeah. weather. I mean, what do you expect? Yeah. And um, we were all good, you know. And they all performed as expected, and every one of us was was happy. Yeah. Um, so just relating to that. So if you are going to be, to say you have, uh, you have four people, right? Um, obviously four people aren't going to be fitting in a guardian or any of these shelters, all in all these people in one shelter. Would you rather, I think some of the ultra, I think some of the ultra lighters would take the guardian fly. Yeah. Yeah. I think there would be some, especially in a more adventure type, well, in a more adventure race sort of thing. But the ultralighters like, are know, crazy. Four of us. You can't, you can't think about them. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. Um, but, but so take, uh, take folks that, you know, want some space for the gear. Um, are you, would you prefer to take two guardians uh, which again are two person hot tents. So two, two person smaller shelters, or would you rather take something like an eight person uh, shelter um, just in, in terms of like weather resistance? What, what do you think you have a better chance with there? It probably depends somewhat on how much people like each yeah. other. I know sometimes the deciding point is Bob wants to sleep by himself. Or no one wants to sleep with Bob. Bob snores a lot. Or Bob is a messy tent mate. Mm. And everyone said, we can share this tent, but screw Bob. He's on his own, right? Um, Bob is a fictional person. So if your name is Bob, don't get all butthurt on this. Um, So I think there's some dependencies there. Um, Frankly, I know the eight man with a stove and four people is fine in plenty shitty weather. Um, I also am confident in the Guardian. I think it comes down to what you anticipate your uh, camp locations Mm -hmm. and stuff to be. I mean, if you are and are you anticipating moving every day? Um, if you're moving often or you anticipate even moving half the tents or one, one tent, um, then I think you're going to lean towards the guardian. Um, but for pure comfort in the pure comfort thing, the eight's going to be hard to beat. You can literally, you can throw in a camp chair and you can stretch out. I mean, you can have a really messy tent mate. As we've seen, a certain pod, well-known podcaster get made fun of on Instagram <laughs> for how messy his tent uh, was. In our um, one, in one, in an eight-person teepee, I may say. Yes, and I and it did ring back to I had a tent mate one time, and I was like, "Holy crap, dude! You you gonna leave me any room in this?" um as well and it was in an eight man and owen and i were taking up a very little corner right um i think the real i think the real thing there the real secret in those situations is to not do fly-in camps and not do drive-up camps because when people have to start putting it in their pack like my problem with the messy tent mate i had was it was a drive-up camp 
and so he could bring whatever he mm-hmm. wanted. If I'd have made him carry in everything, I bet you he'd have been a lot cleaner yeah. type mate. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I kind of want to touch on the stove. So Silex and Guardian, you can you can throw a stove in, right? Um, what so like we typically recommend a medium. So do you want to kind of just break down the the like why you can't put a huge stove in there and because I, I mean you technically can right it'll it'll literally fit in there but there are some dangers there do you want to kind of break down those dangers and and why you want to kind of well, get the smaller stove there there will be really three main options i would say on those which would be the cub the medium and maybe the large it really is about real estate um the cub is literally going to burn toothpicks, twigs. It's going to be a twig burner. You're going to get a five-minute burn time. It's going to warm the shelter up, um, and then it's going to cool off probably quite quickly over 10 or 15 mm. minutes. Um, the large is going to t- be the easiest to use because you can cut longer logs, and if you are so inclined to break more substantial like sticks that are a couple inches in diameter or cut them you will be fine and you can put it 14 inches in there but that's going to take up a lot of real estate and it's going to get real mm. tight um the medium is going to be in between it's going to give you the ability to burn the larger sticks um like the two inch ones it's not going to be as hot and cold is like the mm-hmm. cup, um, but it's going to kind of be a happy medium. Mm-hmm. Jeez, <laughs> happy yeah. medium. Hey, that's why it's called medium, I guess. It's the happy medium. Yeah. Well, sweet. Um, so let's let's kind of just break down um, nest options. So all three of these have have nests in them. Uh, in what circumstances are you typically running a nest in these zipperless shelters and in what circumstances are you not running a nest? I, I actually run a nest in them the bulk of the time. Um, of course I have a lot of shelters, (laughs) so it's, um, one of the side benefits of this game. I primarily use the nest um with all of them um and i primarily use them summer three Mm. season and i primarily use them taking my dog or when it's buggy things like that i'm not afraid of going without the nest at all um if i was solo hunting archery i likely would be uh taking the silex without a Mm. nest and just going, it, it'd be big enough for me. It'd be big enough for my bow. It'd be big enough to, small enough to pitch practically outside of a deer bed. Um, but if I'm just summer backpacking, more than likely I'm going to take the nest. I'm not, I like to be light, but I'm not super concerned. Um, and sometimes it's just easier, uh, especially because I take my dog a lot of times and it just helps keep the dog kind of corralled. Mm-hmm um a little more um but that's about it really 
Um, otherwise, you can't. If it wasn't for the, if I didn't take my dog with me often in the summer, it would probably be about 50-50, and it would be dependent upon how I thought the bugs were yeah. like. When you guys did the video at the lake, I would have taken mm-hmm. a nest, even though the bugs weren't bad there, but you're in an area that is notoriously bad for bugs yeah. usually. Um, so it all depends. Well, and, and it definitely and, and, helps for condensation too. I mean, you know, it was, especially in that particular trip, you know, just because it was so rainy, we had to pitch in a grassy area, which obviously mm-hmm. for those who don't know, grass is essentially with you know any tent if you don't have a floor on it and you you go and pitch a tent you're essentially creating a greenhouse right that's that's the whole concept of of a greenhouse so having a floor and a nest is going to help with condensation um because it's going to kind of keep all that moisture that's locked up in that vegetation from as soon as you put that tent over that vegetation it's going to heat everything up especially with the sun and all that water is going to going to rise and end up on the top of your tent um so in you know another time when condensation is high is like spring and fall right where there's where you got 30 degree nights and 60 degree uh days you just think about you know cracking open a cold one on a hot day you pull that thing out of the cooler and immediately it starts sweating same kind of concept and you know having the having the nest and having the the a i mean the the nests especially for those shelters have some of the dwr covering which is what we use for our liners um as well as the floor it's going to really help with condensation and just cutting down on moisture as well yeah, I don't necessarily want to be uh, too strong of a salesman, but our nests in those are quite good. Um, there, there's, you know, they could be a little lighter, but they're really made to be a fairly comfortable, durable ride. And you can attach the whole thing as one, and pitch the whole thing literally all mm-hmm. together, uh, which allows you to, for the most part, pitch your shelter with your nest inside. And so if it happened to be raining, it, these would go, they'll pitch really quickly because the nest kind of constrains them to the dimensions that they should be. So you'll end up being able to pitch them in a couple of minutes. Likely you won't get any rain in your shelter as you're doing it, or it'll be incredibly minimal, even if it's raining fairly hard. So it's really, that's kind of um, the holy grail of what you want in a double wall shelter is to be able to get the inner up button also have it be protected you know like a lot of the traditional tents you have to pitch the inner and you put the poles in and then you put you know the other stuff over and it's like that leaves those open to keep mm-hmm. wet quite a bit yeah yeah especially in in a rainstorm or snowstorm speed I, I i always think about that like like people don't <clears throat> people kind of underestimate the fact of like how quickly you can put your shelter up. And I, I think like, you know, there's a lot of people that take any tent out <clears throat> uh, for the first time without setting it up. Uh, like they don't set it up at home. They just take it out in the field when they're hunting or, or doing whatever. And like that, like people underestimate that, right? Because especially in like, I just take the circumstance of uh, one of my, well, we'll we'll take that Butts Lake fishing trip, right? Starts raining when we're when we when we arrive there. We're trying to set up camp quickly. You know, if you got a if it takes 
two, three extra minutes to put your shelter up. Well, that's two, three extra minutes that, you know, if you didn't have a rain jacket that you're, you're getting soaked. Um, so like, and you know, that's one of the big benefits of having a shelter that pitches like ours, you know, I would say in general, freestanding shelters in my experience do take a little bit longer to set up. Cause like you got the poles that are stretching across and I'm sure there's like super easy ones out there, but, um, you know, if, if you, the most of a lot of them can take a little bit more time. I got the perfect scenario today. And, um, so I went for a hike early in the morning and it kind of clouded up and I stopped by the grocery store to get some things on the way home. And I parked, I don't know, 40 yards from the grocery store Mm -hmm. or something like that. Not super far. It was in the same block and it was lightly sprinkling. I had on just a regular quick dry base Mm -hmm. layer and I was like, it's like 40 yards. I don't need to throw on a jacket or anything. You know, it would be relatively mm-hmm. quick to get in, get out, get a couple things, and go on home. So I go in there. I grab a couple items. I kid you not, it was raining so hard when I got out that literally walking back to the car, it looked like someone dumped a five-gallon bucket of water uh-huh. on me. It was, you know, so like put that in like as quick as that happened and you're trying to pitch tent. Oh. And you could be like, oh, a couple drops, no big deal. And the next thing you know, it's it's just coming down. Yeah. Well, that's like one of the big things about the Silex is it's literally four stakes, two tracking poles. And it's, I think it's, it's, I mean, you can literally set it up in less than a minute if you had to. So it's just. You know, mm-hmm. for a, uh, an emergency shelter, we have a lot of um, just from customer service. We have a lot of like horse guys that will take a silex, you know, just to throw in their pannier bag, just in case, just in case something happens like that. Really? So, um, but yeah, so let's uh, let's kind of wrap it up. I want to I want to get your your if you could pick one scenario for each one of these shelters. And I know that's hard because there's there's so many variables there. But like in general, Guardian, what is that going to be? What are you going to be using that one for? I will use. Let me give you two scenarios. Um, I will use the Guardian, like if I want to go backpacking mm-hmm. with Angie, and we're taking our dogs, and it's just kind of a chill mm-hmm. thing. Like say some of the places in the Gila, it's mm-hmm. pretty chill, right? And it's summertime, take the nest, it's all good. I also will use it without a nest and a stove, say for like second, first, second season mm-hmm. rifle kind of hunting, or maybe even later archery if the weather was yeah. turning. So, the yeah. go uh, ahead. Go ahead. No, so I would, I would really use it in those two yeah. scenarios. Um, Silex, I use in. I would use archery hunting solo without a nest the bulk of the time. And I can use it backpacking, say, with a nest most of the summer. Um, Just depending upon the conditions you're Mm -hmm. expecting, right? Like this year was a bad, was very wet, and it was a very bad fly and gnat season here. A lot of people have gnat infestations in their houses 
um, we had one here. So, um, Eolus, I have a tendency to take the Eolus. I've used the Eolus on a couple different things, and I think that this is kind of where it fits really well. Owen and I did a bike packing trip down in southern Arizona, and it was a fine shelter for the both of us. I think it's fine for two people, um, no stove. Um, it's also good for someone who wants to take their dog or someone who wants a little extra mm-hmm. space. Have you, uh, in what situation are you taking the Silex with the stove? I probably no. wouldn't. And it's not that it isn't capable. Um, it's that it's more of a thing that I have a lot of yeah. options. So, um, come stove season. Maybe I would take it with a cub if I was just, if I was doing something like first season or second season deer, and I was very determined to get a big deer and be very Mm -hmm. discreet and everything. But usually by that time, because I have options, I'll take like a single run or something like that, you know, but that's just because I have a lot of tents. Yeah. uh, so if if you were if you were a guy that uh, goes, I am a guy. A guy um, if if you were a dude that um, could, you're a dude too. But if you um, could only pick one of these shelters and you wanted to get the most versatility out of it, which one are you going to pick? Like you want to be able to use this thing all four seasons, and like maybe you know like hunting, backpacking, fishing, all the above. That really only leaves two options right now, which is the Guardian mm-hmm. and the Silex. Um, if it's always me and only me, then I will go yeah. for the Silex. Um and I will make do with the rest. I might even carry a tiny tarp or something for hanging around outside yeah. in the later seasons. Um, but if, and I've seen people do that, attach a tarp to a DST mm. to their Silex and turn it into actually a fairly yeah. large shelter. Um, I don't know if I would go up DST size, but I might do something like that. Um, otherwise, it would have to be Guardian because Eolus doesn't fit into all of those scenarios due to in its current Mm -hmm. iteration. Yeah. Right. And probably not in its future iteration, but I think it's future iteration is going to be pretty strong and compelling too. Nice. Well, I think that's a, that's a pretty solid breakdown of the, our zipper list line there. Uh, Did you have any other, other things that you wanted to hit on? Right on. Well, appreciate you, Kevin. And, um, for everybody listening, I think we're going to keep doing some more of these um, to answer more of your questions about the tents and stuff like that. So uh, just keep listening. We definitely appreciate y'all. And thanks, Kevin, for jumping on. Awesome. Yep. Thank you.